Get about the curveball, Ricky. Give him a heater. Welcome to the Heater Podcast. This is Dan Lewig. He's Corey Peeper. As we get ready to break down another week of uh, entertaining baseball uh, with a lot of different things uh, going on uh, for us, we continue to enjoy our uh, upgraded studios as we are coming to you from the, the Heater Podcast studios uh, with a lovely uh, screen going through the recaps of the past uh, past day's games as we uh, uh, see a Strange play, <laughs> yeah. Strange play. Uh, a lot of uh, of of still spring training type plays going on yet here. Starting to see less of them. Yeah, we're starting yeah. to get there. Yeah, players are starting to hit too. Like players that started off cold, finally starting to heat up. And the injuries, unfortunately, are still happening because I'm afraid they didn't really get a chance to be in full shape. Yeah the uh, the the challenge was always going to be the amount of injuries taking place this year, and the numbers have definitely held true. Uh, in our podcast uh, today, we're going to have a chance to look through uh, the, the rest of the injuries that have come up in the past week. We do have one uh, big name coming off the IL that we'll talk about as well. Uh, we're going to take a look at some uh, news and notes from the past week, including the first ever eighth inning, extra inning home run uh, that took place on Sunday. Uh, we had a wonderful uh, matchup between Mookie Betts and Mike Trout uh, over the weekend. Uh, some suspensions uh, that have come down, uh, as well as uh, team-conducted uh, ones. We'll talk about that. Uh, guys that are on a heater uh, that have had a fantastic week. Uh, we'll look at those players. Then we'll give you our heat index. We'll go through our power rankings. of The first quarter of the season is complete, and a chance to see where teams stand as we uh, get ready for uh, not only the end of the first home quarter, stretch. but the home. Can, yeah. can we say the home stretch? Right, a month into the season. <laughs> well, it's uh, we're into what would normally be prime hot stove time. We're yeah. only two weeks away from the trading deadline. As hard as That's that is to too. say, uh, but next week we will be taking a look. Uh, we'll be getting our hot stove uh, running and a uh, chance to break down. Uh, will we see any trades? Who could be on that list? Uh, with 16 teams headed to the playoffs, uh, there's, there's a, a lot, lot of teams wanting to buy. Is there any teams that are going to be able to sell because that they're that be the far question. out? And we'll end with our uh, game and matchup of the week. Uh, and, of course, uh, we have our Pirates positive note. Uh, of that course. Is, uh, the Gotta staple get that in of there. this podcast is. We know that everyone is excited to get that each week. Got to keep up uh, on the Pirates. Th- they made that challenging this week. <laughs> uh, I, I'm thinking it's going to be a, a common occurrence. Yeah. Uh, but we'll uh, come to that as well. So, uh, as always, uh, the Heater Podcast is brought to you by River Creek Popcorn. For all of your uh, snacking needs for baseball games and movies of choice, come hungry, leave happy. Uh, was it a, a good weekend out at the... It was really good. We only, we were only there Friday and Saturday because yesterday I had a birthday party to go to. We're back to three days a week now through at least September, and this weekend was very, very busy. Well, and now the, the weather is starting to cooperate. You're not getting those upper uh, There's no ridiculous humidity. humidity days. Now it's this is the time to live in Wisconsin. Prime, 70s, 75. I love it. I grew up in St. Petersburg, Florida, and I always hear guff from them about the weather in January. This oh, is yeah. always the type of year... Uh, the time of year that I, I get to brag about our weather. So I've been uh, starting to do that as mm-hmm. well. 
Well, let's take a look at some of these injuries. Corey, why don't you lead us off with, uh, as always, a very lengthy list. Oh, let's start with one of your rays. Let's start with Charlie Morton. His was a shoulder injury. He pitched, I believe, last week, right the day we started doing this. He did it. And uh, shoulder inflammation in the right shoulder. It sounds they put him on the 10-day IL. It sounds like he should be ready to go and possibly later this week. So They're very optimistic with the way things have gone. Nothing has been major. This is more precautionary, especially with a 36-year-old pitcher who mm-hmm. you are relying very much on, uh, wanting to make sure that you can get him through the year. Uh, but everything sounds promising where they expect him back by the end of this week. Let's move on to a guy we talked about last week. We put it on the buy or sell as Madison Bumgarner going on the DL. Called the, it. The IL, and we were right. That's a back strain is what they officially cl- claimed he has. Uh, he has a 9.35 ERA right now. 13 walks and 13 strikeouts to 7 walks and 17 innings. This is a... We find a way to put you on the aisle because you need to rest, see if you can get that arm fixed, and see if you can get the, some velocity back. Get something right because it's definitely not going right right now. Yeah. Uh, let's go to, as we move through some of these more, let's go to Giancarlo Stanton. Uh, we talked, I think we mentioned that he was on the aisle last week. He was already out there. They didn't know hamstrings are kind of fluky. It came out that it was a grade one, which is the least severe hamstring strain, but that still meant probably three weeks to a month. So probably not August, early September. And uh, the Yankees suffered a a big blow in the past week on the IL from not only uh, Giancarlo Stanton, but Aaron Judge uh, and DJ Lemieux. Yeah, Aaron Judge. Let's do Aaron Judge first. So Aaron Judge, if his is a calf strain, that one is, quote, very mild is what Aaron Boone said. And I believe they interviewed Judge last night, and he said that he expects to be back when that's first up in 10 days. LeMayhew has been just on fire, tearing the cover off the ball. He's an amazing hitter, but his injury is a thumb injury, left thumb sprain. Uh, that helped him out. I think he had it a two, three years ago, they said, when he was with Colorado. We had a thumb injury, and it kept him out almost a month then. Thumbs are hard because you got to grip the bat. So that one's it could be two weeks. It could be a month. I don't know on that one, but he's definitely out now. The only positive for the Yankees right now is that uh, the one guy coming back from injury is Aroldis Chapman and, and will be activated before Tuesday's uh, big series with the Rays. Yeah, he's one of the premier closers in the game, right? Still doesn't quite throw as hard as he did in his Reds days or the Cubs days, but he's still throwing 98 out there. And they've gotten some incredible production. I believe Zach Britton's leading baseball in saves for them now, so that just lengthens your bullpen even more. That bullpen has been... Uh, Rock solid. Yeah, and you have guys that are elite from the seventh inning on. So uh, the hard part is when they get uh, uh, the offense that they've had, uh, they only need average pitching uh, because if they can just get them to the seventh inning, their bullpen can take over and and do that very effectively. Uh, The question I've always said about the Yankees is I fully expect them to have a very strong regular season record, uh, and they're going to win a lot of seven to five games. Uh, But when the pitching gets better in the playoffs – your offense isn't going to be able to keep carrying you that way. And I think that's going to cause some major challenges later. So if they don't get that pitching down uh, from starting pitching, uh, I think that's there's still major red flags on that team. It's always the series thing, right? So we mentioned it with the Nationals last year. They look terrible this year so far, but the Nationals last year, they won because you put three pitchers out there and you've always got a good chance to win a series. And that's how the Astros got there with their pitching. And yeah, the Yankees have Garrett Cole. He's probably the best in the game right now, but after that, it's James Paxton's kind of in a question mark, a little inconsistent. Masahiro Tanaka, 
Jordan Montgomery, J.A. Happ, I, doesn't quite stack up to necessarily some of these other teams, but yeah, they're still winning games. It's always they got that bullpen, so if they can get, get a lead early, they can certainly win games. Absolutely. Speaking of closers, uh, Kirby Yates is another one that's uh, on this list, and it doesn't sound promising. Uh, I think he said he was, he was going to try and get a second opinion today. It does not sound promising at all. He has elbow inflammation, but now it's coming out that it's like bone spurs, essentially, in his right elbow. Drew Pomeranz has been awesome for him. They paid up for Drew Pomeranz. I espoused early on in our podcast about my dislike for paying big money to relief pitchers, but Drew Pomeranz has been great and has been worth every penny of it. Jace Tingler had already given Drew Pomeranz, I think, four saves, more than Kirby Yates is at. So Drew Pomeranz is going to get through. Kirby Yates is a free agent after this year, so it'll be interesting to see if if he's healthy and able to go or if not, what happens to him in the offseason. If healthy is what we always said about the the prospects of Steven Strasburg. If he's healthy, he gives you lights out production, but that if is very strong, and now he's back on the IL. Strasburg was my pick to win the Cy Young Award. I said, look, we only have maybe 12, 15 starts tops, 12 starts probably. He can do it. He can finally be that pitcher that we all think he can be and win the Cy Young, but he's pitched, I believe, five innings. He missed the first couple starts, got out there, wasn't very effective, and now he's back on the IL. It just said right hand. Um, a lot of people have speculated that it's a nerve issue. I believe Dave Davey Martinez sort of said something like that. But, you know, once again, it's hard to predict anything with him with his injuries. If it's his hand injury and you have to grip the baseball, it's a nerve thing. That, that could be the end of the season. And the Nationals have been really rough so far. So I don't know what to say about Strasburg other than you can't use him now. <laughs> They still haven't shown any signs of getting out of this funk. No. Uh, keep waiting for a week that's positive or they're starting to build momentum. Soto's been incredible since he got off the IL, the, the injured list, but they're not not leading to wins. They have individuals that are they're doing well. You have Soto, who's tearing the cover off the ball. Then you also have Max Scherzer is, is doing Max Scherzer things. Mm-hmm. But again, that helps you win in a, a small playoff format. But when the depth isn't there to go with it, and that's their challenge right now, uh, you're getting great individual performances. They're looking more like the Los Angeles Angels more than they are the Washington Nationals of last year. Those are both teams that I picked to have big things this season, and they're both letting me down. There's still time. The Nationals, uh, another injury the Nationals had. Sean Doolittle, their presumed closer perhaps going into the year. He's almost been passed up by Daniel Hudson early on in the season, but... Sean Doolittle, he is also on the injured list with right knee fatigue. I think he's only pitched three innings this season and already given up five earned runs, and it had been largely ineffective. So they put him on the IL, and once again, it says 10 days. That could that could be just a wait and see how you're feeling because we don't necessarily need you right now. We have a couple more relief pitchers that are on this list. We got uh, Will Smith, Joe Kelly, and Andrew Kittredge. Oh, let's start with Joe Kelly. So Joe Kelly gonna could come up again later on, but Joe Kelly did get his suspension reduced uh, from 10 games to five for throwing around the Astros. He didn't actually hit anybody, but threw around the Astros and started that fight. But before he gets to serve that suspension, he is on the 10-day IL. His is a shoulder injury again. Uh, he has not allowed a run yet this season, and the Dodgers just keep plugging away and winning games, but uh, he is out for a while. Kittredge is on the long IL, the 45-day. It's the UCL, right? Yeah, you're looking Tommy John surgery, unfortunately. And he's been pretty good for the Rays. The Rays have benefited from having a a few arms that can do multiple innings in the bullpen, and that always helps you when you're, especially for a team where the starters have not been able to do the traditional five yet, building back up arm strength. They've needed those types of guys, and so that's a bigger blow than might be seen at first glance. 
Yeah. Uh, who was the other one you mentioned? Will Smith? Will Smith. I have the... That's the wrong Will Smith. The Will Smith I have is the catcher Will Smith. Oh, correct. The correct. catcher Will Smith from the Dodgers is on the aisle. That is his neck. So they called up Kybert Ruiz, who is one of the top... I think maybe one of us mentioned him when we did prospects a long time yep. ago. Top catching prospect, first at bat yesterday, hit a home run. The Once again, the Dodgers just keep filling holes. They get injuries. They just plug them in there. And so uh, Ibert Ruiz and Austin Barnes. Will Smith has been, in his career, been a very good catcher so far this year. Not been very good. So the Dodgers haven't really needed him. And so take 10 days off. Let your neck rest. The Atlanta Braves continue to have their injury uh. issues. Uh, both uh, Acuna and Albies are now on the IL. Yeah, Albies, we've mentioned the wrist injury before. He's on the IL. Acuna has another wrist injury. His is on the left wrist. It's inflamed. He was finally starting to hit. He'd gotten up to 258 with four home runs. He'd started off really cold. Uh, it sounded like they were hoping that it was going to be a minimum stay. Could be back as early as next weekend. But that we've mentioned it. The Braves probably got hit as hard as anybody so far with injuries, at least to major t- players. Another disappointing injury to a, a young prospect off to a hot start is Bo Bichette. Yeah, Bo Bichette. Uh, he is an incredible young player. Uh, you see the the stats for Bo Bichette, and they just stand out. How many hits he's had. And he's, I think he had a record for the most hits in how many ever games he's played, 80-some, but he just cannot seem to avoid the injuries. His is a knee, a right knee, and it's – it's going to be at least a month, they said yesterday, so that's that's not good. And the Blue Jays, another team we had some high hopes for, but they've had to deal with some extenuating circumstances, some injuries, and Bo Bichette being out a month is devastating. They, they've been very competitive. Uh, their problem is they're playing in a very tough division, uh, far tougher than was imagined at the beginning of the year because you expected the Yankees. We had high hopes for the Rays, and now they've started to turn things around. Uh, Baltimore is the uh, surprising one there, and they don't stop hitting. Santander hit another two home runs yesterday, leading the American League in RBIs. Last I checked, they were leading baseball and slugging percentage and like right up there and on base percentage. We had some thoughts for the Red Sox, and when we get to our power rankings, I'm sure we're both going <laughs> to have the them only one. considerably lower than we planned. But uh, uh, let's see. Injuries. Let's go to Starlin Castro. We should, probably should have mentioned him when I was mentioning the Nationals injuries. He was playing in a doubleheader the other day. And batting, he's been batting like third, fourth in their lineup, but broken wrist, he is out for the rest of this season. And that's another a tough blow to, uh, uh, this is one of the challenges when you have a, a strong veteran team, uh, those injuries can prop up, uh, creep up even, even more than, than normal, and they've seen their more than their fair share. Uh, the other disappointing hitter that's uh, on the IL and, and done for the year is C.J. Crone. Yeah, he dislocated a kneecap. Uh, that's really bad. So he's done for the year. He was hitting home runs for the Tigers. The Tigers got off to a hot start. They've been struggling a little bit lately. Dislocating a kneecap out for the year. I think he was only signed to a one-year contract in the offseason, so he should be a free agent after this year too. And he's been a slugger his whole career. Uh, if he gets healed up, I would expect someone to at least give him a chance. There's a very good chance that next year there'll be 30 teams with DHs again. So... I would expect C.J. Crowen probably not playing in Detroit, but you never know. Someone who, uh, especially with the added 15 spots, will uh, find a home somewhere. Mm-hmm. Is there anyone else on this list that we've missed? Oh, we should mention Andrew Benatendi. He has been horrendously bad for the Red Sox, part of the reason they were down there. I believe he was hitting under 100. 
He's on the 10-day IL with a rib cage, a rib cage strain. Uh, he took a fall. I think it was Monday or Tuesday night he took a fall. They think that he'll probably be back in 10 days, but like I mentioned, he's been down batting ninth and eighth in that lineup, and a guy that a couple of years ago you could have mentioned him in the same breath as some of the top prospects like Juan Soto, so that's been very disappointing if you're a Red Sox fan. And just yesterday, I believe, Michael Brantley went on the 10-day IL with a quad injury for the Astros. The Astros have had some inconsistent play out of some of their players, but Brantley has just been consistent as always. And they actually had a big injury come back, too. We didn't mention it. Jordan Alvarez is back. He came back on Friday, yes. hit a home run, but then on Sunday he sat down with some knee pain. So I'd, that one, I would have mentioned that one, but he came back, and then he was already missing some time. So we'll see. A couple others that we're waiting to see the full health from is uh, a couple with the Mets, Jake DeGrom and Jeff McNeil, two of their bigger players. DeGrom was scratched from his last start, not on the IL, uh, but uh, still waiting to hear full uh, a clean bill of health yet. I think they just said that it was a, quote, hot spot. So I'm assuming that means he had like a start of a blister on his hand or something and that they just said, you know, you're too important for our team, so take this night off and hopefully you're ready to go next time. You don't want to put him on the 10-day IDL if you don't have to because every time you can get him to pitch, you want him in there. Uh, McNeil crashed into the wall. Making it was an, an ugly crash. It wasn't an ugly crash. I thought it was worse than it was going to be. He made the catch. It was incredible, but apparently they say it's not as bad as they thought, which is great news. They expect him back in, in a couple of days. That's very optimistic there. And then uh, Chris Bryant is the last one on that list who's been – Missing a considerable yeah. amount of time, but not on the IL. Yeah, he's been bouncing in and out of the Cubs lineup. He missed the first couple of days. I, I've been watching the Cubs, obviously, consider against the Brewers. He missed the first couple. He was back yesterday. It's just been a lot. And it's kind of the story of what Chris Bryant's career has been. He's got that MVP year, but a lot of the times it just seems like little nicks and stuff like that. And he misses some time and then he plays a while. And it sounds like he'll be okay to go, but just watch for watch the lineups every day because he might not be in there every day. I could expect some days off still. Well, we'll move into some uh, news and notes uh, from the past week. First couple of ones are just more of the the quirks of uh, this type of year. First one is the the one that's going to be hard to look back on uh, in uh, thirty years when this gets forgotten. Uh, and you have uh, randomly in the uh, the record book a extra inning home run in the eighth inning. Yeah, I, I didn't even you you pointed out to me before we started here. I did not realize that, but. Those seven-inning doubleheaders, they're still kind of confusing when you see the, the closers coming in in the sixth, seventh inning. I'm still kind of I'm always like, why are we come bringing them in here? And it's it's just because the game's almost done. And the Urays versus the Blue Jays, right? Blue Jays? Correct. And uh, started out with a guy on second, which is still also kind of quirky to me. But you're seeing the bunt come back a lot, which is kind of cool. So bunt them to third, get them to third somehow. And then Willie Adamas, that extra inning home run to right center field. And the extra inning, eighth inning. Yeah. Home run. The other one was the White Sox uh, decided they wanted uh, you can have a home run and you can have a home run and you can have a home run and you can have a home run. Four consecutive uh, home runs. Uh, that's only been done about ten times in Major League history. I think it's ten times is what I saw. And I believe it was Moncada started it off with a pulled one to right and then Grandal. And then Jose Abreu hit one just inside the left field foul pole. And finally, Eloy Jimenez finished it off in four in a row. That is... Uh, yeah, you don't see that very often, and they needed it because they had lost the first couple games of that series, and they were able to win yesterday against the Cardinals. The one that was nice to see, because we've talked about it, uh, and 
In fact, it happened uh, while we were recording last week's podcast right in front of us. We had the brawl take place with uh, Oakland and uh, Houston. And it's not often that Major League Baseball gets suspensions right. Uh, and when that those suspensions were announced this week, uh, I, it was the first time I said, all right, well done. Yeah, they did. They really did get this one right. So Ramon Noriano got six games. It's since been reduced to four after an appeal. And, yes, he was the one that charged after it and officially probably st- – quote-unquote, started the fight. But Alex Cintron, who was the Astros, I don't know if he's the bench coach or the hitting coach. One hitting of the coach. coaches. Hitting, hitting coach. Okay, so he's the Alex Cintron is the Astros hitting coach. It, you know, it's all hearsay, but he said some very inappropriate things about Ramon Laureano's mother is essentially what we've heard in this whole story. And so, and then he kind of backed off, and uh, Ramon Laureano didn't took offense to it as – I suppose I would, so charged in there. Alex Cintron got 20 games, and he deserved all 20 of those. And I don't know if that's if, if he's going to be contesting that or not. I think they want that to go away. I think Houston wants I that to Houston go away. I think Houston just said, take your 20-game suspension because we need to get out of the news for a while again. And, uh, yeah, Loriano, we uh, I mentioned last time that I, I figured it would be around a 5-7 to seven game mm-hmm. suspension and yet still reduced a little bit more. So four is right in line with what I was expecting. If I think they he were started it, it right. too. I think he started. I, I think, think he's he already has. got two done. So And they're... That their team's going to be really high in the power rankings because they are playing some phenomenal baseball. And the uh, issues with the Cleveland Indians with two pitchers going out, uh, breaking protocol, and uh, heading out with friends out in, in different areas, and uh, they were forced to self-quarantine uh, as a result. Uh, but what I mentioned on the podcast when we were talking through this, when it was the Marlins, the Cardinals, and the, the Indians, the only way that this is going to work is if players themselves step up and say, we're done with this. They need to police it themselves uh, because this threatens not only the uh, the health of, of everyone involved, it threatens the financial livelihood. We've already seen that just a couple of uh, positive cases uh, can quickly go throughout the clubhouse. And not only that, but uh, the, the Cardinals are going to be playing a massive amount of double headers in the next two months to try to come close to catching the 60 games. This can derail not only an entire team, but the entire sport itself. So players need to step up and say, enough. And that's exactly what happened in Cleveland. When they came back from the self-quarantine, there was a players meeting uh, that took place and two guys got optioned. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? So I think it was actually in the middle of the podcast last week, we heard that Zach Plesak had broke the the quarantine rule and had gone out with some of his friends after a nice start. I believe it was in Chicago. And so we knew that he was going to be kept off the team for a while, but then it came out and a couple of days later that Clevenger who had stood up for him in a team meeting, this is the worst part of this is that he had stood up and said, yeah, you know, Zach's doing the great thing and he's doing everything that he's expected. And it comes out later on that he had been with him. And that is a problem. Like, own up to what you did. Instead, he rode back on the team flight instead of having to drive back, and he was with the players, and God forbid that any of them get corona from that because that is terrible. So now they are both then told that they need to quarantine for 72 hours. As far as we know, neither one of them has tested positive. They are both in the quarantine, and they got back. And remember, this is a team that has Carlos Carrasco, who we've mentioned before. He had cancer last year, extremely high risk. And we don't know who it was, but there's been – Multiple reports that the players said, you have to send these guys to the alternate site for a while because we don't want to play with them right now. So, 
there's even the report that one of them said, I will opt out mm-hmm. if you don't. We so don't know who that player is, who that but is. that was uh, words that have been uh, communicated from that clubhouse meeting. And so this was, despite it being an organizational decision, this was player-driven. So right now they are. They're they're down at, I don't know, I'm, wherever their alternate site is, wherever Cleveland's alternate site is, Mike Clevenger, who, once again, I picked him to win the Cy Young Award. Excellent pitcher. Doing everything that's asked for him. Please has been incredible. But this team said, right now, we don't want you on this team. And that's probably the right decision. Now, I don't, I mentioned it when I first texted you about it. I don't think it's going to last forever because I still think this Indians team has a very good chance to make the playoffs Correct. and do something with it. Even though they don't have any offense right now, they're still winning games because of their pitching. And they have to, at some point, you have to spend 10 days at the alternate site. But after that, you have to get up or else you're not eligible to be in the postseason. So a week, two weeks, I don't know. But at some point, you will still see Mike Clevenger and Zach Plesak again. But for now, this was the right decision and the Indians players made it. It does sound like there was contrition from both at that players' meeting, which makes me believe that this will be short-lived enough where players wanted to send a message, and message definitely received. Uh, but we will watch that uh, and monitor that as time moves forward. We have uh, mentioned this. We should mention it. There is a new COVID protocol that's in place. Yes. We, sh- we should have mentioned it before we even started talking about each other. But John Heyman reported it last night, and I texted to you and said, wow, what a terrible decision. So we'll see how this works. But uh, players who test positive can apply now to return to play in 10 days. Even if they're testing positive, uh, it still needs the joint committee to say okay. But apparently it's they're allowed back after 14 days with continuing positives just because, quote, contagiousness dissipates. I don't know. I don't like this decision. I hate this decision. What do you think? It's – I'm not a fan of the optics. No. Uh, if the science is there that 10 days is – like, and we've seen changes to that. There's been 14 days initially. Now it's been going down to more – been talking about 10 uh, – I understand that, but what I also don't like, and I, I don't see players liking this, is if you're still testing positive, uh, if you're still testing positive, uh, that even if you're saying it's not contagious, I don't see as a player how I would f- be comfortable with that. That's what I don't like. It's so risky. You're taking such a risk with this, and we've this is players' livelihoods. These are people's lives. Uh, you cannot say that with utter certainty that, Zach Plesek might not have COVID. Hopefully he does not. But if he does, there is a chance that he comes back, even after testing positive, comes back and ruins this for everybody on the entire Indians team. And that's a problem. As we move forward here, there's also been talk about uh, coronavirus of an idea of a postseason bubble. So we've seen bubbles work in the NBA and the NHL. And there's been talk of the MLB doing some type of a bubble with the postseason. Right now, we talked about they can't do a bubble because there's just too many players. There's not enough space. But there's been talk of the postseason bubble coming in. Los Angeles area has a lot of baseball fields. And maybe when there's only 16 teams, that's possible. Uh, Right now, it's simply not. So the bubble has worked very well for the NBA and the NHL. I don't know how many... uh parks there are at the wide world wide world of sports in Orlando yeah. but they're obviously doing the bubble very well right now with basketball so that could be a, a potential option down the line as well but we'll keep you covered as more information comes out and as they start looking at some of that as well uh, I missed one last week uh, we talked about each week we try to highlight a a major matchup of the week and uh, here we've been focusing especially with the, the heater we focus on the pitching matchups mm-hmm. but there was an excellent hitting duel that uh, went off this weekend with uh, Mike Trout and Mookie Betts. 
and they both came to play. Uh, Mookie Betts was both of our picks for National League MVP, and after a slow start, it is he's looking every bit the point of the MVP. Uh, the games that they played against the Angels, he went 0 for 4 the first day, I believe, with a walk. But then 2 for 5 with a couple, three ribbies, I think he hit a home run that night. And then 2 for 5 yesterday with a couple of runs scored. And Mike Trout, uh, I mentioned the Angels are not winning games somehow, but Mike Trout, definitely not because of him. He had a home run the Saturday night, so and he had a hit yesterday, and he's also over 300 for the year. I just remember when we were all worried that he wasn't going to play this season, and now, now it seems just laughable because not only is he playing, he's playing once again like the best player in baseball. We talked about when we had our our starting nine for best uh, mm-hmm. uh, during our breakdown of uh, position still by position, right field greatest sometime. of all time. And uh, we'll get to right field. It's still going to happen. <laughs> it's will. It will. Uh, It'll be there sometime. But uh, uh, Mike Trout was already on our list. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of the challenges that we lamented was he's in the prime of his career uh, and he's going to get a, a shortened season here. Well, he's making up for lost time. Uh, he's still looking like he can hit 20 to uh, 25 home runs. He's at, at uh, nine. I don't know if he won yesterday to put in a double digits or not, but he's already on pace for to still get 20 to 25 home runs in a third of a season. That's insane. Nine home runs, 19 RBIs, hitting 301, still just 28 years old, just just prime of his career. It's it's incredible how good that guy is. So, yeah, I think we put it at over under us 20 and. There's a couple of guys who are making 20 look very doable. And we mentioned Daniel Bard as a, an excellent storyline of the year to follow. Uh, someone who was out, uh, hadn't pitched on a major league uh, uh, mound for over six years. Something like that. Yeah, uh, it was I think six that's to eight. Right. For the Red Sox, it was when he last pitched, and now he's back with the Rockies. Pitching really well. Yeah, Got a save, I think. He's still pitching well. And, uh, uh, and there's another storyline that you wouldn't think you'd be able to find another one equally as uh, uh, compelling, uh, but there's a fascinating one going on down in Miami. Yeah, so Miami had 18 players, right? 18 players and coaches that needed to quarantine because of COVID, and that meant they got players up that they hadn't planned probably to play but this year, but Eddie Alvarez is definitely in rival for Daniel Bard for the best story of the year. 30-year-old rookie, and he spent the majority of his life not playing baseball, but competing in speed skating. He is a Silver medal in the Sochi Olympics. So 2014, he won a silver medal in short track speed skating. But now he's his speed carries over. They asked him, how what's the comparison between baseball and speed skating? He said, well, you turn left. You just keep turning left. So that's the comparison. And uh, he's been pretty good playing shortstop for him. 5'9", kind of a little punch and Judy hitter. But the speed skate got a couple steals. 5 for 25, 5 runs. So, yeah, I thought it was just a cool story. Definitely not your... Uh, uh traditional type of uh, prospect development, but it'll be fun to see how that continues throughout the, the year. Uh, as and his move, nickname is the Jet, so. Well, that, that fits very Sandlot, well. Sandlot, right? Got to get it all in there. Absolutely. Uh, well, let's move into uh, giving them the heater as we look at those that have been on fire this past week. Uh, I'll start with a uh, Rays-related one. Brandon Lau, if you have not heard of him, you should. Uh, he uh, went on a massive tear this week, hit a home run in four consecutive games, uh, game winners for at least three games this week. Uh, he uh, leads the American League in extra base hits. He was the uh, wins above replacement leader in the American League as well. Uh, second baseman, uh, and uh, not someone who looks like your prototypical uh, home run hitter. Uh, 
but uh, there's a lot of power in that compact swing. Uh, and he hit over 30, 30 to 35 home runs two years ago. He got injured last year, then that derailed uh, overall season numbers. Uh, but this year, he's back to hitting the cover off the ball, and now he's among the AL leaders in home runs. Yeah, it's, we've been talking about it before we started. It's it's all about the the strikeouts with him. Last year, he it was out of control. The strikeouts were at 35, 38%, somewhere's up there, and it's down to 25%. That does, it's still, that's still a lot of strikeouts, but that's manageable. And when you have that type of a makeup, that you can live with 25% strikeout rate. It's the 35 pluses. That's Joey Gallo territory. And Joey Gallo is a special player that can live around there, although he's been struggling this year too. But uh, Brandon now been excellent for the Rays. There's a highlight on the screen as we talk. Yeah, we couldn't even uh, time that That's any right. better. Uh, Brandon Lau with a, a game-winning home run at the top of the ninth uh, in game one of the doubleheaders uh, yesterday against Toronto. Uh, we look at pitchers, uh, Shane Bieber. Uh, you know, we, we knew that Cleveland had a very good pitching staff, and we each talked about uh, some fascinating stories. We talked about Clevenger as a Cy Young uh, uh candidate and prediction we talked about the the storyline of Carrasco coming back and pitching this year uh, but Shane Bieber has dominated the uh, the storyline so far I think Bieber's been on this list twice already this year the, yep. the heater list so we're at five starts from Shane Bieber he's got 34 innings and he has 54 strikeouts that is 14 per nine innings uh, easily leading baseball we've mentioned Bundy Bundy's been great but Bieber's been better uh, 213 year 8.72 whip He's given up less than five hits per nine innings right now. And Cleveland, we've just talked about all the pitching issues they've had with Corona, but Cleveland has still been really good. If they get any offense at all with the pitching they've got, it should be I, – I, the, just the contrast between the Twins and the Indians in that division is so cool to think about because one is built on just incredible hitting with good enough pitching, and one's built on just incredible pitching with good enough hitting. And another pitcher who's been doing this for a long time – uh, and decided to give himself a new challenge is uh, Zach Granke. So this was my pick in here. And Granke this week pitched against the Giants. Six and a third, one run, seven hits, strikeout seven. He's doing exactly what he's always done, except for the fact that he's added a new wrinkle to his game and that the catcher no longer has to call the signs. He just calls them himself, puts down the fingers. Sometimes he says it verbally, tells the hitter what's coming. Slider's coming, hit it. Who cares? We don't care if you steal our signs. I'll just give them to you. And and they can't do it. It's It's incredible to watch. He's just so quirky that he's decided now to start calling his own signs. So he's putting down fingers out there. There's videos you can see online. And until this point, just as with the rest of his Hall of Fame-worthy career, nobody's seeming to hit it. <laughs> you know, Granke's not a uh, not a personable guy. That's not his personality. Uh, this, to me, I'm starting to wonder, is his form of protest of the of everything that has happened with Houston and uh, all the challenges within. So I think he's in his own way proving, all right, I'm going to give you the signs, and what does it matter? You still can't what, hit it. Yeah, 21 innings and 21 and a third, struck out 18. He has a 253 ERA. So the strikeout numbers aren't the Bieber level right now, but as usual, he's pitching extremely well at the top of that Astros rotation, and there's there was some news we didn't mention it with Verlander, but it sounds like Verlander thinks he can start pitching soon, and uh, I still hold out. I still believe that he's likely not to see him this season. If you do, I just don't see how they're going to get him ready before the postseason. I think that has to be the goal at this point is to try to build up the arm strength, see if it can be done, and then you have him for a short series with with the playoffs. That that can be the only goal at this point. Uh, so it will be interesting to see how that goes moving forward. We're going to take a look at one other category within this uh, of players, not just for the week, but uh, underrated 
uh, players who have, have done well. Richard Justice from MLB.com came out with an article this past week talking about seven underrated acquisitions. And what I'm going to do, Corey, is I'm going to give you the seven names. Okay. And I'm going to have to take one of them off the list that you can pick because we've <laughs> been picking him every week, and rightfully so. Okay. But these are, are the guys where I want to know which one is the most impressive uh, to you. The seven names that he listed were Jesus Aguilar, Trent Grisham, Dylan Bundy, excuse me, Sillin Bundy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to get that right. Uh, Trevor Rosenthal, Blake Trinan, and Todd Frazier. Blake Trinan and Todd Frazier. Okay. I had to write them down here so that I can look at them. Yeah, obviously, Dylan Bundy is the one that I'm taking off that list because he's been incredible. And that would be the one that we've been talking about the most. I suppose we could say that's already our number one. So who would be your yeah. second most impressive? So I will say Trent Grisham, you know, He's got a special place in my heart. I watched him with coming up with Milwaukee and first-round pick that they drafted a few years ago, and they traded him off. And he's been really good for the Padres. The Padres, he's been stealing bases, hitting home runs. He's cooled off a little bit from a really hot start, but he's going to plug into that lineup for a long time, still very young, and I think that's what we've talked about. That team is – this year was going to be ahead of schedule for them. So I, I'll say Trent Grisham. Uh, after Trent Grisham, I would put it at Jesus Aguilar, who is – Maybe last year was the fluke year. Maybe we've all thought that maybe two years ago was the fluke year when he was so good. Maybe last year was the fluke year where he couldn't seem to make any contact with the Brewers or the Rays. And he's getting a lot of, he's batting right in the middle of that Marlins, surprisingly good Marlins team lineup. And that's been working. He's been hitting for power too. It's nice to see him come back. He always thought that he, uh, there's more potential there, a late bloomer. And then last year happened, and then things started uh, falling off. And so it's nice to see him getting out to a hot start uh, for the surprising Marlins at this point. Uh, For me, I'm happy to see Trevor Rosenthal back. Uh, He has battled through uh, numerous injuries, and uh, I had a chance to watch on Friday night uh, uh, him pitch against the Cincinnati Reds, I think it was. And he's blowing 98 miles an hour up there. The control... that. That night was a little off, but otherwise, from everything this season, the control has been there, uh, and the pitches have been have been crisp. He's got uh, uh, the stuff is back, and uh, that's going to make him, uh, as a preview into next week, probably one of the biggest names that will be available at the trading deadline for especially relief pitchers. Uh, but here's someone who's big game proven. If his stuff is back, uh, he's going to be a welcomed addition to any back end of any uh, uh, bullpen. Rosenthal and Trinan are the two that you could almost lump together, right? Because Trinan was two years removed from being the best closer in baseball, perhaps. People thought when he was with the A's, he was the best closer in baseball two years ago. And then last year, melted down. came off. Yeah, just whatever reason, it didn't work. Almost a 5 ERA. And so signed on, I think, relatively cheap for the Dodgers. And... They're not asking him to close. They have Kenley Jansen out there, and they have, as we've mentioned, they have a really good team. So maybe the pressure is off, and I, his ERA is under one so far this year. So that's another one. You, you, they're not going to trade him because they're certainly competing. But, yeah, Blake Trinan, Trevor Rosenthal, closers who had a history of being great, and for whatever reason it fell off for a while. But all it takes is a little more velocity or a new pitch, a little better command, and you're right back to being great. We mentioned uh, players on a on a hot streak, but one for for teams. I mean, uh, while I could obviously talk about the the Rays have themselves a week, now they're back at a fourteen to nine record, which is a lot different than what it was uh, ten days ago when they were swept by Baltimore. But now we're looking at Baltimore in a little bit of a different light. But that's the team that I wanted to highlight. Uh, 
we mentioned like which of the three teams that were surprising so far in last week's podcast, which of the three teams did you feel could keep it keep it going? And for at least another week, uh, Baltimore continues to lead Major League Baseball in uh, every offensive category, pretty much, especially from a power hitting perspective. I mentioned that Santander hit two home runs yesterday uh, and is, is still the uh, AL RBI leader. Uh, just an impressive group of no-namers that are exploding to start this year. Yeah, they didn't even win yesterday, but yeah, they've been they've been on fire. Their their offense is something else. Anthony Santander and Renato Nunez and Rio Ruiz, just guys we thought, you know, maybe they're going to go out there. I think we said multiple times on this podcast that we thought this would be the worst team in baseball, and they definitely are not, so we were wrong on that one. It happens, uh, but the Marlins and the Orioles have both continued to play very good baseball, and it's it's fun to see because this is why we this is why we wanted to see the game. We could talk about baseball all the time, but when the season wasn't going to happen, and we were talking about labor negotiations and stuff, but the games aren't played on paper, and these guys are professionals. They want to win games, and the Orioles are doing that. They have four players who have hit five home runs or more. Uh, and Santander, Renato Nunez, uh. Is Rio Ruiz one? That's the third. Pedro Severino? Nice. You got all, all, got all four. Uh, I don't know if I could have even named all four as players on Baltimore. Uh, so uh, well done there. The uh, uh, That's why you listen to us, folks. We know, we know what we're I talking know about, or at least one of us does, and now another one just likes to make it look good. So speaking of making it look good, we're going to talk about our heat index, our power rankings, uh, and kind of break down the first quarter of the year. And where we think teams stand, which would you prefer, going from bottom to top? Bottom to top. Bottom to top. Well, why don't you uh, lead us off here? So I have a number 30 as being incomplete. See, I only ranked 29. I have my incomplete as the St. Louis Cardinals. I, it's, it's not comparing apples to oranges when you have a team that has less than 10 games. I can't even look at their last 10. They have eight games played this season. I still think they're probably a middle-of-the-level team. I believe they're 4-4 four and four now. But I just put them as incomplete because I it's you can't compare them to these other teams. I don't think that's probably very fair. I did rank them exactly where you you mentioned in the middle tier, uh, but I very much understand saying we don't have enough information yet, uh, too soon to tell. Uh, so that's a uh, that's where uh, I put them. I just could not put them to together. Me. So who's your thirty then? My thirty, I, I've been my thirty and twenty nine uh, bounces in my head because uh, there's two clear, not so good, very bad teams. Yes, there are. Uh, and uh, maybe I'll make that my Pirates positive is not having them at, at 30. I will do the Boston Ooh. Red Sox, who were an absolute dumpster fire this past week. They were swept by the Rays. They were swept by the Yankees. And, yeah, okay, those are two very good teams. Boston's rebuilding. That's not a surprising thing, but it's how they are doing it. There's failing, and then there's failing with flair, and they are doing that uh, very well. The Rays scored, like, 60 runs in the four-game sweep, and the, which was their best ever for a four-game series in their entire team history. Uh, and then the Yankees uh, trounced them as well. These are not close games. These are not competitive games. Boston is absolutely uh, awful right now. And, uh, yeah, they've had injuries. Yeah, they're doing rebuilding. But, to me, they're not even playing competitively, and that's why I rank them lower than, than Pittsburgh. And I have... 
29 and 28. I have Pirates. I have the Pirates at 29. I still put the Pirates last, and I put Red Sox at 28. Uh, everything you said. The Red Sox, they're, this is the most obvious tank job, I guess, in the game, just because you look at their pitching rotation, and it is just – we've said it since the start. It was going to be bad, and it is abysmal right now. They cannot get guys out. The offense has been struggling, but it should be better than it is, but the pitching is just horrendous to watch. That's that. Those are quite clearly the bottom couple teams, I think. And it doesn't help them that their biggest hitters are on massive slumps to begin the year. Uh, J.D. Martinez still hasn't started hitting, uh, and that's a, a big blow as, as well. Uh, Pittsburgh, there's just not enough talent there right now. There's uh, some guys that are there, but they're, they're not hitting uh, up to what they have. Uh, Josh Bell had a massive year last year. Uh, and he is not replicating that. Uh, he's striking so far. out like ten percent more of the time. His is all strikeouts. He still. I was looking at him the other day, and his he's still barreling the ball really well. But it's just he's striking out ten percent more, so you're which, not going to do anything. Which makes you think he's going to get it figured out. Oh yeah, uh, I think when, when you're barreling well, mm-hmm. that always says uh, well, again we didn't have the proper spring training, so that the. Uh, the eyes are not going to be quite there yet. And so you have him doing the opposite of Brandon Lau. Instead of uh, going from 35 to 25, he's gone from 25 to 35. And that's uh, that big of a hole in the swing is getting in his way. 19% last year, 32% this year. And that's that's this is that high variance year, right? It's a high variance year. So if you have a good year, you're Brandon Lau. You're Fernando Tatis. That's If you're having a rough year, you're J.D. Martinez. You're Josh Bell. It's high variance. It's so short. Some of those hits start dropping in. His average can climb from its current, where is he at, 203. Maybe he has a good week this week, and you're right back at Josh Bell being 270 hitter with four or five home runs already. Different fan-based uh, websites are wondering if maybe he could be a name on the, the trading list because he's getting would into arbitration lot. time. That would be a big uh, name to trade. And and that the only challenge is, are you going to get something at more of his value when you're having these early season struggles. So that's the question that comes there. But we'll save that for next week. Mm-hmm. Uh, San Francisco is my uh, next team on, on the list. Uh, they are man, veterans that are no longer performing. They had primes a few years ago, but not so much now. Yeah, they're a couple up. So after the Pirates and the Red Sox, my 27 is the Mariners. I put the Mariners down there. Uh, Mariners have had some contributions this year from players we didn't expect. Obviously, Kyle Lewis... Got off to a red hot start. They're seven and sixteen on the year. The problem is they've given up 133 runs. I believe it's behind only the Red Sox as the oh sorry San Francisco and the Red Sox as the lowest three teams. And San Francisco, you mentioned them. They're right above the Mariners for me. So my bottom four are Pirates, Red Sox, Mariners, Giants. They, their pitching is not there. And you and I just flip flopped that one. We're we're in agreement on the bottom four, just a little bit of a different order. Seattle is next on on mine at uh, 26. So then I will go to 25. 27, excuse me. Yeah, I, it's because different because I, I said I didn't count the Cardinals. It sure. sort of throws off my numbers. But uh, my fifth worst team I have is the Royals. Uh, Kansas City, surprisingly competent so far this year. I think we thought they were going to be bad, and they're they're dead. They're right now they're last in the AL Central, but nine and thirteen, not out of it. Getting some nice production, and thirteen. That's kind of. Taken some, some chances this year. They called up Chris Bubik. They called up Brady Singer. They've called up some of their young players. The question is, will Bobby Witt get called up? He is a big-time shortstop prospect in the minor leagues. Uh, but it's not it's not been terrible. I don't think anybody would have had a lot of hopes for Kansas City this year. But um, they're still a bottom-end team, in my opinion. 
I have them higher up on my list, and I'll tell you why when we when we get there. There's something that intrigues me about them that I'll mention in a little bit. Okay. Uh, I have the New York Mets next, uh, and for me, it's the again besides the injuries, you have you have individual performances for some that are doing well, mm-hmm. and yet this team cannot uh, put it together. That's been the story of this team for the last number of, of, of seasons now. You can have the best pitcher in the National League, best pitcher in baseball, easily make the argument uh, with Jake DeGrom, and they're struggling to win <laughs> the majority of, of his starts. It's uh, uh, some of all parts is not there. Yeah, I have the Mets a little higher. Uh, when we get to the Mets, I we should mention with the Mets, I don't think we did, that they actually had another player opt out on them, uh, Marcus Stroman, early in the week last week, right after he hit his Correct. day where he gets paid and opted out. And then people were like, oh, how dare he? Why did he do that? And I was like, well, the owners do that all the time when they call players up. Correct. So I don't care. If he wants to opt out, that's his choice. Uh, here's the most disappointing one I have. So we're at my number 24, and this is a pick that I liked a lot going into the year, and it is the Los Angeles Angels. And it is because, okay, so Anthony Rendon is now hitting, and I'm very happy to see that. Mike Trout has been hitting. Shohei Otani keeps hitting, and I thought maybe the Stars and some, Tommy Lestel has been fine. They've had hitting. It has been Dylan Bundy and nothing else. They have given up 118 runs. And I believe when Dylan Bundy's pitched, he's given up three. So those starts, awesome. Other than that, we talked about how bad Shohei Otani has been. It has been Julio Tehran has struggled. It has been a bunch of really bad pitching. And right now, this is a team that I thought would win that division, and they are struggling, 7-15. and 15. Well, right there, that's, that, that's my next team. Uh, and the think of just how bad that is. If you have one guy who's only given up three runs, and that tells you how bad everything else is. 118 is already one of the highest uh, uh, runs scored against. Uh, in Sorry, five runs. I should have been qu- clarified. He gave up five runs in 28 innings. But the rest of them. So you have 128? Yes, you have 113 then for everyone else. When you have one guy that's been that good, and that's how bad everything else is, it very much shows you the distinction uh, between the two. The pitching staff is definitely letting down the Angels uh, at this point. So that's your 25? Correct. So my, so you, why don't you do 24? Because then we'll be tied up. Because I, the Angels are my 24, because I would uh, go here. Washington is who I have here. I have them ranked lower uh, than maybe some would, but I, I don't see how this team rebounds. Number one, there's a balance, but it's always hard with doing any sort of uh, power rankings, is you have that bias of coming into the year uh, of where you think they should be versus just ranking on-the-field performance. And on-the-field performance has not been good. Uh, and uh, I tried to be more true to that in, in my rankings. They're only 8-11, and 11, uh, and they only have a minus 4 in the run-score differential. Mm-hmm. So there's some things that are positive there, but, again, you have a couple of star players, and we said that works for Washington. It worked fantastically for them last year, but you lost Rendon. Uh, you've, uh, your bullpen is, uh, half of it is on the IL. Uh, you have only one starting pitcher. Well, two, because Corbin has been good as well. Mm-hmm. Strasburg's back on the IL. That's going to be inconsistent all, all year. Uh, and they have not performed up to expectations. They have not performed well, uh, on the field. Uh, and, uh, I, yeah, I just don't like where they're at. I don't like where they're at either. They're a little higher up on my list. My 23 then is the Detroit Tigers. They got off to a very hot start. Uh, 
We mentioned them last week as a team that had done that, and they continue it. And this week they have lost five straight games. Uh, it's a little bit of just some regression to the mean where they had some extremely hot players in Jacoby Jones, and we mentioned C.J. Crown's out for the year, but Miguel Cabrera was looking like he was 28 again, and he's started to cool down. And they still – I don't know why they're wasting time calling up Casey Mize and Matt Manning. I wish they would do it and just see if they could get something out of these guys in the short year because I think they could, but their pitching is not very good. And so – here they are, and it's starting to drop. And before it's all said and done, I would expect probably Kansas City. I had them lower, but I think Kansas City is going to pass Detroit still. And I have Detroit here as well uh, for the the reasons that you mentioned. Uh, they had a. It was nice to see them start out uh, a little hotter, but uh, regression to the mean is coming. Uh, and I'm going to jump up to Kansas City since you mentioned them. That's where I have them here. What I like about them is how competitive they have been. They have faced. Uh, among the league leading most, uh, before I gotta get my, my numbers pulled up here, uh, versus uh, uh, 500 uh, teams, and they are only a couple games under 500 with that. They're playing, uh, Minnesota's been lights out as advertised, Cleveland's pitching has been dominant. Uh, they have at least been competitive in what they have done. Uh, and uh, I'm just in- intrigued by some of the players that, that's going on. I didn't realize that Whit Merrifield has fully made the transition to center field. Hmm. Yes, he has, because they're playing – who was it? They're moving Mondesi back and forth sometimes, and it's a it's a fun team to watch. Uh, one of the, If you're talking about some of these struggling teams, that's a team that I always like to watch them play because they run around, and it's, it's interesting. Uh, my 22. 20- Two then would be the Arizona Diamondbacks. They had been lower, but they had a very nice weekend series. They're on a four-game winning streak right now. Uh, and their run differential is pretty close, 105 to 119. I think it comes down to, once again, I think their offense is pretty good. They got the two Martes. They got Christian Walker, who's been doing some nice things for them. But then it's a lot of inconsistencies. And then it's that pitching, right? Madison Bumgarner's hurt. Robbie Ray, your favorite, walks everybody, right? He threw a no-hitter yesterday through five innings, and I think he still gave up runs because he walked six or something. And uh, it's the pitching there. So I don't think – I had the Diamondbacks lower. Their offense is doing enough to keep them competitive in games, but their pitching is still – Merrill Kelly's been really good. Zach Allen's pretty good for them, but it's not enough that I think they're going to be competitive in that division. I would agree. There's the the pitching isn't coming around the way they hoped. A lot of what they were talking about was based upon Robbie Robbie Ray making a pro, uh, progression up, and it has not happened. Uh, he's going to be inconsistently inconsistent, and I think that's just who he is. Uh, so I have Arizona here as well. Oh, really? Look at that. Uh, my twenty one. Then let's go to a team that you talked up a lot, and that is the Texas Rangers. Uh, we liked their pitching. They've had some injury problems with Corey Kluber and some of those types of things. And I don't think either one of us really doubted their offense. I think that's where we thought they'd be good. Joey Gallo, Rugnet Odor, you know, strike out all the time probably, but score a lot of runs. And their seventy seven runs are second worst in the American League, only better than the. Blue Jays, who haven't played a few less games because of Corona, 77 runs scored. That's not very good, and it's surprising. They're still playing right at 500, but I put them down here because I didn't know exactly why their offense is playing the way it is. <laughs> their pitching staff is uh, still as good as advertised. They've done well there, but the offense is the biggest question mark. I do have them higher on my list because I believe that uh, uh, that that the hitting will come around at least more. It may not be as high of a ceiling as it once was, 
but uh, I do believe that hitting is going to come around at least better than what it has. Uh, for me, I have the the White Sox here. Uh, this is a team that has been uh, struggling to make that move forward. Uh, again, this was the uh, team that we talked about with potential playoff aspirations of making enough moves in the offseason to uh, complement their uh, young uh, hitters and uh, prospects that are coming up and doing well at the major league level. And uh, it hasn't been there yet. Uh, that offense actually hasn't been as much as you would expect from them. They're only at a negative three for uh, the plus minus differential. And uh, they're 11 and 11. So they're at that inconsistent uh, mark, which fits them very well right now. But this is a team that you hope the light comes on and there's plenty of time left to especially now that it's a 16-team format, because when we first talked about this, that was before the expanded playoffs were a thing. They should make the playoffs. At this point, it would be a disappointment if they didn't. Yeah, yeah, they play in that really good division where I think there's two pretty solid teams, but there could be a third team, right, out of that one division. So I, I have them a little little higher, not much. Uh, rounding out my top 20, that, or, or bottom 10, I should say, is number 20 is the Toronto Blue Jays. It's such a hard team to talk about because – they have to the fact that basically all their games are on the road now. They're playing in Silent Field, which we texted back and forth saying that it is like Coors Field looks small compared to Silent Field. It is a hitter's park because it is a triple-A park. And we mentioned the injury to Boba Shett. It's, it's just a lot of str- little things that have maybe extenuating circumstances. They still play against the Rays and the Yankees, and... And the Orioles have been really good. So I put the Blue Jays down here. I wanted to put them higher, but I put them at number 20. Uh, I have uh, Cincinnati here. I have three teams in a row that this is your inconsistent performers that you expected more or people hope to get more out of them. Uh, The Reds were very much our uh, probably our biggest prediction that we were going for here. Uh, And... uh, it just hasn't been there. They're nine and eleven. Uh, they're negative six in the plus-minus differential. They have not wowed in uh, any particular facet of the game. They've had a couple of good things uh, taking place, but uh, nothing that has been uh, other than Luis Castillo is doing Luis Castillo things or has been. Uh, some of their hitting has been been good, uh, but nothing collective. They're just not putting it all uh, together yet. And I'll jump up to. Uh, my next team for my 20 is Philly. Uh, another team that, uh, uh, again, they've started to, to turn things around. They are uh, one of their last three games. They're eight and nine. Uh, pitching has been solid. Their offense, not so much. It's Bryce Harper and not a lot else. And uh, that works when he goes on a tear. But when he doesn't, that's going to lose you a lot of games. I have Philly. A little bit higher than you, I think. I think I might have a little more hope in Philly, turning it around and maybe basing it on what I think they can do here. Uh, my number 19 is the Chicago White Sox. So, like you you said a lot of this. I think their offense should be really good. They hit the four home runs in a row yesterday, right? And Tim Anderson leads off. He was he had a batting title last year. And then it's Moncada, who's very good. And Jimenez and Luis Robert was just tearing up the city. I think we've both said we think he's going to win this the American League Rookie of the Year. Their offense is phenomenal. Lucas Giolito has had two blow-up starts at the top of the rotation and two or three pretty solid starts, but 
they you cannot have inconsistencies from your ace. They they need better pitching. Dylan Cease is inconsistent. Lucas Lucas Giolito inconsistent, and that's their problem right now. They're not getting the pitching that they need. So that's where I have them. Where the White Sox are lacking, they've made excellent moves. That offense is uh, incredible and has tons of potential to be better than what they have to this point. Uh, it's kind of crazy that now only now we're mentioning Jose Abreu uh, when we had all the other names that were there. He's now the add-on. Uh, and Grandal from the offseason acquisition. Uh, but they need an ace at the top of that lineup. That's what they need to go out and try to get. Uh, if you're talking one more year to really put this team together, they have young pitching that needs to develop. They're just not at that level yet, and they need someone to anchor it. And that will be interesting to see what happens there when we get there. This is where I rank Toronto. Uh, they have uh, where the new ballpark fits them is they are definitely offensively strong. Now, they've suffered a blow with Bo Bichette now, uh, but these younger guys have have done a, a good job as they've continued to develop. We still don't know what Vlad uh, Guerrero Jr., who he is. Uh, it's still kind of a, like, all the tools are there, but it's not relating to complete on-the-field performance. And sometimes that's not fair because you see such a high ceiling, and so you have high expectations for a player, but he definitely looks more like a career DH than he does anything else on the field. That's going to be interesting to see. He really needs to talk to Eric Hosmer and learn how to lift the ball in the air. His thing is he just pounds so many. He hits the ball so hard, but he just hits it like straight into the ground. And when he when he lifts it, they just carry forever. But, he, yeah, I mentioned him before. I just hope he doesn't go the way of like Pablo Sandoval and out-eat himself out of playing the field or whatever's going on there. My number 18 is the Washington Nationals, and I – this is my team I picked to win it all. I thought that in the shortened season, those three pitchers they have can carry you, and Strasburg is hurt, and Scherzer and Corbin have been great, and I thought they could find serviceable offense. And Juan Soto's come back, and he, along with Bryce, you mentioned Bryce Harper, Juan Soto, Bryce Harper, Mookie Betts look like there. it's a three-way race for MVP already. Maybe Fernando Tatis, four-way race, because those guys have been just on fire. But other than Juan Soto, the offense hasn't been there. I thought Howie Kendrick was going to be pretty good. He's been sort of nicked up with some injuries. He missed the last couple of games and not playing particularly well. And so Starlin Castro got hurt. Trey Turner's been okay, not necessarily doing what they thought he would do. I don't believe he's stolen a base yet, which is kind of his calling card is get on bases and wreak some havoc. So it's just a team that seems to be kind of in their own way right now. And this is the team that won the World Series last year. So we obviously had high hopes, but right now it's they're just kind of middling. Agreed, and, and here's where I have Arizona. Uh, they, uh, as already mentioned, you know, you have a, a, a team that the uh, offense has been solid, the pitching has not, and uh, you can definitely make a case for lowering them further on this list. They, they've started to heat up. You know, you said 7-3 and three in their last 10, winners of four straight. Uh, maybe there is something they can get done there, but the, many questions on that pitching staff. Yeah, so we're at 17 here for me, and that's I'm going to stick to the the hometown team here, the Milwaukee Brewers. And uh, I had them a little lower, but they had a very impressive weekend, beating three, winning three in a row against the first place Cubs, who have been very. They'll be much higher on this list. The Brewers' offense has been struggling, inconsistent. I don't know how to say this without being really mean here, um, but it seems to be coming around a little bit. It's. Some of the guys that you didn't expect, Luis Urias has only been here a few days coming back for coronavirus and has been very good. And Orlando Arce has been very productive at the bottom of their lineup. Keston Hira needs to learn how to hit a fastball. For some reason, he can hit breaking stuff and not fastballs right now. And so 
the pitching, Brandon Woodruff has been an anchor at the top. Adrian Hauser has been solid, and Josh Lindblom's been pretty good, but uh, Eric Lauer has been sent to the minors. And we talked about Corbin Burns and Freddie Peralta. Some of these young guys that had some bad luck last year, Corbin Burns has been awesome. The, the home runs have yes. done exactly what I said they would do. They've came back. They've stopped being ridiculously the most unlucky pitcher in baseball, and he's been incredibly good. So I have him right roughly in the middle of the league. They're 10-10 and 10 right now. That's that's well, middling team. If the uh, I'll first right here uh, grab this is where I have the Cardinals. Uh, this is where I place the middle tier, uh, and then after that, now for my uh, uh, for sixteen would be the, the Brewers. Uh, so I, I'm in the same boat as you, and right in the middle with a five hundred record, right in the middle in our rankings. I I think the hitting is going to come around. Uh, they have managed. Uh, here's the positive I'll say about Milwaukee. You have managed to still stay at a five hundred record despite your National League MVP barely hitting at all to begin this year. Keston Hira has not been, he has hit everywhere he has gone uh, throughout his entire career, uh, from college, minors, pros. That's what he does. That's his calling card. Uh, And he has, uh, uh, it's going to happen. It's going to come around. And so if, the, the positives right now is the, the young pitchers are showing signs of on-the-field performance, on-the-field results, uh, and that is a major positive. They have the second-worst uh, uh, offense in the National League right now, uh, and yet you're still 10-10. and 10. So I, I think this is going to turn around better for them. There's a lot of hope here, uh, and at the end of the day, all you need to do is get one of those wild card spots and anything can happen. So they're kind of where you would want to be from a worst case scenario standpoint. You've had this horrendous offense. You know you can uh, perform better. Uh, so hopefully those things start turning around. So let's talk about that. Let's go to my 16, which is a team that I think still will turn it around. And that's the Cincinnati Reds. I put them right ahead of the Brewers. Now they're nine and 11. So they're behind the Brewers, but I just have, I think it'll turn around. It hasn't worked well so far necessarily. Like, it's, they had a lot of star players. Their pitching still doing exactly what we thought. Those top three, Bauer, Castillo, and Sonny Gray have been awesome for them. They had some nice production out of Anthony DiSclefani even, but it's just been finding ways to lose games almost because they've had Nicholas Castellanos. You've talked about him a couple times on here, how good he's been hitting the ball so far. but Just tearing the it, cover off the ball. And, and it's been just not finding ways to win games. Eugenio Suarez is still really cold for them. I don't think he's suddenly a 120 hitter or whatever he's at. So I it'll turn around. Jesse Winker's been on fire. I think he's leading the league in OPS or WRC plus or some of those type of stats. And so if you're going to get production from players like Jesse Winker, this Reds team can still still make some noise. A somewhat highly regarded prospect uh, that is now uh, showing major league uh, results and, and always positive to see that when it's not one of your main contributors and you're getting that type of production, well, we've seen the uh, the Yankees lose so many guys and yet they put up different names who just end up contributing well, even in a part-time role or occasional role. They just happen to step up and Winkers is doing that for the Reds uh, right now. Uh, this is where I placed Houston. Uh this is the uh, five and five in their last uh, ten, but they've winners of four straight. They're showing some signs of starting to come back. They're actually uh, a positive differential, one of the best in the American League, actually at plus eighteen. So you can obviously have them higher up on this list. I they will be, but I've I've gone off current performance with this one. Uh, they are. Over the weekend, 
they've made this uh, look a little worse than, than what it is. Uh, but uh, otherwise, uh, uh, this is a team that just hasn't been able to put it together. Jose Altuve is still not hitting. Uh, some of the others have come back around, but you have some of the injuries that are there. Uh, I don't trust that pitching staff. Presley is not uh, – it's a wild ride with him at the ninth inning. Uh, when he's been thrust into that role exactly. after losing Azuna, uh, sometimes he can be locked down. Other times he's just blow it up. Uh, and uh, right now that's where I have them. Yeah, they're – they're a weird. I mean, I think I sat on here and said I didn't think they were going to make the playoffs. I, I I switched my mind. I think they're going to make the playoffs now. That was before we had you know sixteen teams. Yep. But uh, the Astros, they're they're going to be higher on mine, and it's a little bit of projecting what I think they can be based off of what I've seen recently as they slowly turn it around. So my fifteen is right with the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, twice as high as I would have thought I would have put them a month ago. So uh, Baltimore's offense, we'd mentioned it not that long ago. They've been on fire. They're leading, I believe they're second in baseball now and slugging percentage behind only the Yankees, which just seems unbelievable based off of where I would have thought of them not that long ago. And the pitching is still inconsistent, but when you're getting offense like that and they keep winning games, you got to put them up there. Alex Cobb has been healthy, and I remember watching him from his uh, Tampa Bay Rays days. He had an excellent splitter, excellent changeup, and uh, he was—he uh, had ace-level uh, talent, but then just the massive injuries came through and knocked him out for even multiple seasons uh, with it. And uh, uh, this year right now, in the moment, he's healthy, uh, and he's been, been a positive for them. I'll talk about them a, a little later. They're one of my surprising teams uh, uh, in my rankings as well. I have the Padres here at 14. Uh, Fernando Tatis has been fun to uh, to watch. He's one of the, the best rising stars in uh, uh, in baseball right now. Uh, and they uh, the, the talent is there, but again, this is the struggle with young teams. The consistency uh, isn't there. And I'm hoping that this is a team that can turn it on in, in the second half of the season, and there's no absolutely no reason why they can't. Uh, they have playoff potential uh, on this team. Yeah, I really like the Padres. They're they're a little higher. I wish they they had a rougher weekend this weekend, or I might have even had them higher. But let's talk about the Atlanta Braves. That is my number fourteen team here, the Atlanta Braves, and it's the it is one of the hardest projections to make because it's so different than what we thought it was going to be. They have injuries all over. We talked about Ronald Acuna, Ozzy Albies, four other starting pitchers. Mike Soroka is gone. The only one that's left is Max Fried, and yet they just keep winning games. They they're 13 and 10. They have a very nice, I believe they've scored the most runs in the, uh, sorry, third most runs in the national league behind only the Dodgers and the Rockies. Yep. And so I, I guess they're just going to keep finding a way to win. And so I put them up here and I'm Freddie Freeman's a superstar and they have players throughout their lineups that, that just seem to be getting it done right now. Nick Markakis Nick has, has come been back. back. Well, yeah. he had a three RBIs on Sunday night, leading him to a four, nothing win. Uh, that's exactly the type of performance they need to uh, overcome some of these uh, massive injuries that have, have come their way. Uh, I have uh, Texas at 13 for me. Uh, I still believe, in, in the the pitching has been sound. I think this is another team where the hitting is going to come around. They're not as bad as what they're currently playing. Uh, and to me, it's, it's always a pitching wins. Uh, and you have uh, the best depth rotation uh, in in the majors right now. Uh, Cleveland is the only team that I would talk about more consistently from top to bottom and counting bullpen with it. 
but I still love what Texas does from a, a pitching standpoint, and I think that's going to matter down the road. So as I read number my number 13, I already don't like it. I have the New York Mets at 13. They are 9-14. and 14, And I just feel like it has to be better. They were 9-11 and 11 when you probably looked at this. They probably they lost, were. They, 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 they lost were swept this weekend. weekend. And it, I just feel like they have to be better. They have the best pitcher in the National League on their roster. Yes, they had the opt-out. But they should still have... It seems like it's all their ridiculously inconsistent bullpen. They put Seth Lugo in at closer because Edwin Diaz struggled. And he blew two saves. And it's like... What has happened to this team's bullpen? They had they put money into Dellen Patances. We thought they had a decent bullpen at the end. Edwin Diaz, Dellen Patances, Seth Lugo, and it's just not worked again. So they I don't the second, love the Mets. They're the team. They could go anywhere between twelve to twenty five. Literally, it is so weird. They have the second worst run scored uh, against in the National League. They've given up the second most runs in the National League so far this year. And that shouldn't be based oh. on paper. No, it shouldn't. So I don't love that I have them that high. I should move them down, but that's right. That's right. I did it. <laughs> uh, for me, I have the Braves here at twelve, uh, and they're they're finding a way to win in the middle of adversity. And no team has had to overcome more uh, in the first half of this year. You had Freddie Freeman down uh, for the count with COVID uh, initially, and the one who's probably had it the of the players that are playing right now, the one who's had the worst symptoms. Uh, and now he's started to come back uh, strong. Uh, you've had the other injuries, the, the decimated pitching staff, uh, and yet they're thirteen and ten. Uh, it's like the opposite of the Mets. They absolutely it's like the, the opposite exact of the Mets. opposite of the Mets, where the Mets should win games and they find ways to lose. The Braves, if, if you told me the Braves were struggling right now, I'd be like, okay, that's understandable. But they keep finding ways to win, so that's awesome. Good for the Braves. Uh, my number twelve, I have the Philadelphia Phillies. And they're they're hanging one game below five hundred. They didn't play quite as many games because they were because of the Marlins stuff. And Bryce Harper looks like an MVP. He's won it before. JT Omuto has been incredibly good for them so far. He has eight home runs as a catcher, so that's inf- impressive. And so their offense is pretty deep. I think Reese Hoskins will come out of it a little bit. Jay Bruce has been good. Gene Segura, Didi Gregorius. I think they have a pretty good offense. We've we talked about it with the Phillies before. It was going to come down to the pitching. Zach Wheeler did. Okay, yesterday going up against his old team, the Mets. And so then it comes down to what are you going to get? Well, they got Spencer Howard up here early. Uh, Spencer Howard is a big time prospect that has struggled a little bit early on. But uh, Jake Arietta pitching like it's a few years ago. Zach Eflin's been okay. And Nola's been incredible. So Aaron Nola, Zach Wheeler, I, I think that this is a better than 500 team. I think they're going to get and start winning some games here and uh, move up that. Right now they're sitting at dead last in the NL East, but I think they're moving up in a hurry soon. That's a, uh, the talent is there to turn things around. I would agree with that completely. Uh, at 11, I have the Indians, uh, and this is a, uh, you know, a team where we, we've talked about their, uh, their pitching. They've played 22 games, so I want that to be clear. 22 games, they're right among where everyone else is. They have not missed any, anything among the, uh, the leading teams in the AL. Uh, I stress that because they have only given up 62 runs. It's not even close. When I look at the rest of the teams for runs given up, uh, Minnesota, their pitching staff has been uh, underrated at this point, only 73. But that's 10 runs, uh, so 10 runs more than where the where Cleveland is right now. They are at a complete other level, but that offense has not been consistent. Uh, even uh, Lindor has not... Uh, been up to, to snuff. 
Uh, Fran Mill Reyes will go off for, for a game here and there with home runs. Uh, but uh, And so uh, recent games have, have bumped up his average, but he hasn't been consistent. He's very hot and cold. And then Jose Ramirez has finally been back more at about his level. Uh, but that offense just isn't there yet. Uh, you can definitely have them up higher on this list. Uh, I have them probably lower than, than most. Uh, and also, again, before the weekend, uh, makes that mm-hmm. uh, a little more. They yeah, were 10-9. Nice, nice weekend this week. And they uh, had a nice sweep over the weekend to help that. For perspective on what Dan said, he said they gave it up 62 runs, and that's in 22 games. The Marlins have only played 15 games, and they've given up 62 runs. And neither one of us has mentioned the Marlins yet. So that's a they're, they're going to be pretty high, but that tells you how good the Indians pitching has really been. My number 11 is a team that I would love to put higher. I've been talking on that along a lot this year. I still think they're going to make the playoffs. Uh, that is the San Diego Padres for all the reasons Dan mentioned. It's They're pitching this last week. They've lost, I believe, five in a row right now. And their pitching has been shaky. Chris Paddock looks off. Uh, he needs to learn how to locate some of his off-speed stuff to get back to being the ace I think he can be. I don't think this is a team that's going to be suddenly – it's going to lose it. I think they just have too much offensive talent around them to just keep losing games. Uh, but they've gotten nice production. Zach Davies, another ex-brewer who they got in that Trent Grisham trade, looked really good. They can always call up. I still hope they call up Mackenzie Gore at some point and give him a chance. I want to see it. And so I put the Padres here knowing that, once again, it's a little bit of a speculation on what I think they can do in the future. They they were playing really good. You know, if I had done this last week, they probably would have been even higher when they were 11-5 and five or whatever they were. So it's 11-12 and 12 now fourth in the NL West, but I still think that's the second best team in all the NL West. Definitely high variance team in a high variance year, mm-hmm. uh, but the ceiling is very strong with them. Uh, here's where I ranked uh, Miami. I have two of the surprising teams in my top 10. So Miami's your 10? Miami's my 10. Miami's my 10. And uh, this is a team where there's fun storylines that we mentioned, the randomness of it. Some of their young pitching has come around faster than uh, expected. Yeah, Pablo Lopez has been on fire with that. That he's got a killer changeup. It looks it just drops off a table. And Eliezer Hernandez yesterday just getting swings and tons of swings at his slider. Uh, Jordan Yamamoto has been okay for him. Caleb Smith. So it's I have him right here at ten too for a reason. And it's been the young pitching and it's been veteran hitters that they signed for cheap. Corey Dickerson, Jonathan Villar, Jesus Aguilar. These guys are these guys are professional baseball players. They're not going to go down there and say we're just going to tank this year. And so. They're playing up to it, and right now they're still leading the National League East. I mentioned in our season previews that I liked the veteran additions that they made. These are unheralded one-year deals. These aren't meant to be long-term, but these are competitive players who have had very good years in their past, uh, still young enough that they could have more to come, and we've seen that uh, start well uh, for them here. I have Baltimore at 9. Their offense has been... uh, uh, I'm, I'm going to give them their credit where credit is due in the first quarter of the season. They have performed extremely well. Uh, they deserve the ranking at this point at 12 and nine, uh, seven and three in their last uh, 10. Uh, so I am, uh, I'm not confident they're going to stay here, but I'll give them their credit where credit is due at this point. Yeah. If you're going off of what they've done so far, absolutely. So I'm going to go with the other offensive juggernaut team right now. That's getting by an offense. We talked about them last week. What would stick the offense or the pitching and it's the Colorado Rockies. And you said the pitching, and I said the offense. And the pitching has been a little shakier this week, but the offense still keeps just right on trucking. Uh, they've finally decided to start playing Garrett Hampson every day about time because he's really good, and they bat him lead off. Uh, Trevor Story, 
Charlie Blackman, Nolan Arenado, those are three superstars in this game, and they can put those guys right at the top of your lineup, and then it's it's a murderer's row right there. So after that, it drops off, but hey, that's a great team. And then Nolan Arenado and Trevor Story are excellent defenders too. So the pitching just has to be good enough out there, and so far it has been. This is where I have them ranked as well. Uh, Colorado has been one of the surprising stories to this point, uh, and we'll see if they can can stay there. Uh, but there's the star talent that is definitely leading them right now and doing a fantastic job of it. So my number eight is your Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, they have not actually gotten the pitching that we probably expected, at least out of the top end. Glass now has been a little inconsistent. Snell is sorry, sort of always inconsistent, and Morton's been hurt. And they're still finding ways to win games. So they're on a little bit of a hot streak the last few days here, winning some games. And uh, you mentioned Brandon Lau. It's been a lot of the offense, actually, not necessarily the pitching that we sort of expected. This has been the surprising thing. I'm used to seeing pitching and defense from this team. That's been their trademark, their bread and butter. That hasn't been there uh, so far. Kevin Kiermeyer, despite uh, gold gloves, platinum gloves, like he's uh, an otherworldly outfielder, he's made a couple of of just head scratchers that you don't expect from him at all. One yesterday that he should have had a a catch because it hit his glove, Ends up ricocheting off the glove and into the uh, for a home run. Uh, you have others that are doing that. You have uh, uh, a pitching staff where they've given up more. I think more five run, five runs allowed games this year than they probably in the first quarter than they did in the two thirds of last year. Uh, this is not the same team right now. Yes, injuries are a part of it. Blake Snell finally got up to five innings in his yeah. last start. Not an uh, opener. And and. <laughs> He, when he has pitched or whatever he's pitched, has been a very effective, very good. You just haven't gotten a lot of innings out of him yet. Uh, Charlie Morton, despite the first couple of starts, were a little shaky as he was building up arm strength. Uh, back to performing well, but then you have the injury that takes him out. You have uh, Tyler Glass now has been uh, dealing with more of the inconsistency issues. He's not been uh, lights out to begin the year the way he started last year. Uh, but they've had half of their pitching staff uh, gone on the IL at various times, and some still gone. They have uh, underrated players have been on the IL from their bullpen. Uh, they are not as pitching rich as they have in previous seasons. A lot of their high-end talent uh, is lower in the minors that are not able to make a major league contribution, yet uh, Brendan McKay is probably the most underrated injury that they have had at this point. First, it was COVID symptoms, and then now he's having shoulder uh, uh, soreness. Uh, and that was the guy that was going to be the, the plug-and-play fill-in. Uh, if They had five starting pitchers that were, that were ready to go, uh, but he was the one that was supposed to step up next and has not been seen and, and is still uncertain if you will see him this year. So uh, well, are they your ranked spot there too? Is Correct. that your spot? Oh, that okay, is, my we're, bad. We're, I didn't we're back-to-back to... here. Okay. So. so I'm at number seven then? Correct. I'm on my number seven. Okay. So I want to jump back for just one second. I'm with the Phillies. I should have mentioned they called up Alec Bohm, a uh, big time third base prospect. And I believe he's had a hit in all three days so far. So I just want to make sure I mention that quick. Uh, number seven is here's where I have the Astros. Uh, it's, it's a team that has not performed up to maybe what we thought. And they're still 11 and 10 right now. Winners of four straight with scoring over 18 runs and the differential there. So Altuve's hitting 183. Uh, He's not going to hit 183. He's won batting titles in the past, and you know I hear that it's he's getting the signals or whatever, and maybe he's not that good. He's very good. Like he maybe isn't going to hit a batting title this year, but Jose Altuve is not hitting 183. Michael Brantley's hurt. 
They're finally playing Kyle Tucker every day. Like, it's going to be a good team. And they've gotten pitching out of players that I think I didn't expect. Fran Valdez has been very good for them. Christian Javier has been really good for them. So this is where I put the Astros. That They just are a very good team. They've been a very good team for the last few years. And they're starting to show signs of life of turning this back around. Bregman's, getting, Bregman's up to 260, I think, now when he's got his four home runs. So it's it's going to – this is a team that I still think is very going to be very competitive with the rest of the way. At uh, number six for me is the Minnesota Twins. Uh, this is a, uh, a team that has struggled a little bit in the last 10, uh, but they have been uh, among the premier teams in the American League uh, with it uh, – exactly what you expect them to be. Uh, you have three teams at the top of the divisions uh, that are playing as uh, as expected. And uh, this might be a little light on the uh, uh, the Twins yet, uh, but I just want to see more uh, more consistency out of, like, the, the injuries have, have hurt them, but I want to see more consistency out of the pitching. So far, a lot of positive things, uh, but this is where I have them ranked. This is where not my number six is where I have the Chicago Cubs, who I just watched the Brewers beat three in a row, or else maybe they were higher. Um, the pitching has been very good. Hugh Darvish has just been on fire. He's been so good since about the middle of last year that it's I don't he's probably not gotten the credit he deserves for how good he's been. Kyle Hendricks has been good. John Lester's having a very nice season so far. So the Cubs, it, the offense has been maybe a little more inconsistent than they're used to having. Uh, Javier Baez is cold, but he's he's one of those really high-variance players, right? If he had a good stretch, he could be the Fernando Tatis, right? He could be having that type of a season, but it's been not that way so far. He's having the low end of the high variance. Uh, Rizzo, Chris Bryant, they have a very good team. Kyle Schwarber. So I put them here knowing that this is a team that, with that offense and that pitching, that if they get hot, they can be one of the best teams in the National League. I have the uh, Cubs next year well as well at number five, uh, and uh, they are as you've mentioned uh, they were off to baseball's hottest start a thirteen and three record uh, coming into this weekend and then you lose three to the the Brewers, uh, but this is a a team that underperformed last year on paper the talent was there it didn't click it wasn't there. You have a fresh perspective from the managerial role, and guys are coming out hot. Now we'll see what they can uh, do after. Now that you've had, uh, you suffered a sweep, how do you respond? So I'm curious to see what, what the Cubs do this week. My number five is the team that you mentioned already, and it's it's all pitching-based, and it's the Cleveland Indians. Uh, it, their pitching is phenomenal. I said Clevenger and Plesak will probably be back, not too far in the future, just to keep that pitching going. The offense has been poor until the last few days. They've won three in a row. They're 13-9, and nine, getting closer to the Twins. Um, I don't think Francisco Lindor is suddenly a 233 hitter. Carlos Santana has the strangest stat line on planet Earth. We talked about it last week, and it's only gotten weirder. 179 average with a 415 on base percentage. Now, he's always been good at drawing walks, but he's drawn them at almost 30% of the time. Domingo Santana's been hitting 174 for them, and he's also drawing walks. So I think the offense gets better, and if the offense gets even slightly better, like if they can score four or five runs a game, this team can be astoundingly good. So I'm going to put them right here and trust that at some point some of their higher-end players start to drop some hits in. Uh, next for me is the, is the this is where I have the Yankees. Uh, I No question their offense went healthy. Uh, is best in the league. Uh, they have uh, the bats that can just crush a pitching staff night in and night out. Uh, 
the reason why they're not ranked higher for me is if healthy is a question mark always with at least a few of their key bats. Uh, and then you, you add in a pitching staff that they have the best ace that you'd want uh, going in any uh, against any playoff rotation, but there's so many questions afterwards. Now, their bullpen is locked down. Maybe the offense is enough to make up for it. It is in the regular season. I have no question that they're going to have probably the second or uh, top three uh, record uh, in uh, in baseball this year, very much expecting it. But I think they're going to run into problems in the postseason where you're not going to be able to rely on that offense uh, to do all that, plus the health issue. The Yankees are my number four as well. Uh, a lot of the same reasons you said. I believe they currently have the best record in the game with a 71% winning percentage, which is phenomenal. And they've played the Rays, right? That's their biggest competition in that division. They're going to, I would, I think I said since the beginning, I think they're going to win the AL East. The Rays are getting closer, but I still think the Yankees are going to win the AL East. Uh, their offense is pounds out high hits. At some point, you, it's a lot of injuries, though, like you mentioned. Aaron Judge, Giancarlo Stanton, DJ LeMayhew, they're all hurt right now. And they get production from guys you don't expect. Mike Ford, Gio Urshela, Mike Talkman. Those guys are just pounding the cover off the ball still. So until they, until they don't, they, they, you're right. They're the best offense in the American League. They're the best offense in baseball right now. And But there's still too many question marks at the top of their rotation for me to put them higher than four. Or not the top. I should say this two through five. The top is very solid. Gary Cole is a lockdown pitcher. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll let you give the, the next one as we look at the uh, – who do you have coming up next? My number three is the Oakland Athletics. So Oakland is currently sitting at – where are they on here? Oakland is currently 16 and 6. Maybe they actually have a higher, sorry, they actually have a higher winning percentage than the Yankees. And they just keep winning. They're 8 and 2 in their last 10. They've won four in a row. I believe they have the second best run differential in baseball, plus 34 behind only the Dodgers. Oh, the Yankees and them are tied. But uh, plus 34 run differential. Their pitching's been great. Jesus Cesaro, Frankie Montas, Chris Bassett. They're getting production from there. And they're hitting. Has actually, they've had some cold players. Marcus Simeon was very cold. I believe he had two home runs this weekend, but before that, he was he finished fifth in MVP voting last year, and he was hitting like 180. So they're winning with Matt Chapman, Matt Olson. They're getting production from all throughout that lineup. They have very good defense. Matt Chapman is a phenomenal defender alone at third base. So this is where I have the Oakland A's, and I think they are absolutely in contention to win this whole thing. Oakland is where I have ranked here. We're in agreement. Uh I, I like some of their, like, they have a nice blend of everything. Uh, and, uh, like, now Loriano is out right now, but defensively he's been very good for them. Uh, I like some of their underrated players. Uh, Mark Canha uh, really is uh, uh, an underrated power hitter for them on a team of power hitters. He's one of their overlooked guys that gets the job done when he's in. Now, I don't think he's a, I think he's a platoon player, if I'm remembering right. I think he crushes one, not the other, uh, but he has, the numbers have been uh, excellent. Abby Grossman's been really good for them too, I know. Absolutely. They got him from the Twins a couple of years ago, I think, and like a, just a throw-in in that deal. So yeah, they, the A's are really, really good team. Uh, a team that I didn't even predict to make the playoffs, and they're making me look dumb for doing that. <laughs> the... Uh, top of my uh, rankings. I want to hear your two because I feel like I don't. Who's your two? Uh, I'm wondering if we're off on our rankings. Uh, uh, my two is the Twins. I had the Twins just a little bit earlier. I had them at six. Oh, okay, so my two is the Twins. Uh, the the Minnesota Twins are my number two team. It's the offense once again. Yep. If there's any team that can rival the Yankees for the best offense, it's the Twins. And whereas with the Yankees, I said it's dependent on health. The Twins don't have any health concerns, generally. 
Byron Buxton plays a little too hard in center field sometimes and gets himself out there, but he's also been pounding the cover off the ball the last week. I watched him hit a couple home runs against the Brewers, and I believe he's at four on the year, and he bats ninth for the Twins. Ninth. That's how deep their lineup is. When you can, I, I told this to my father, one through nine in the Twins lineup, the second, any one of them would be the second best player in the Milwaukee Brewers behind Christian Yelich when they played the Brewers. That's how good the Twins lineup would be. So I put the Twins at two. They're getting enough pitching. It doesn't take a whole lot when you have that lineup. Has there been any news on, on Donaldson I don't coming know. back I from injury? That. that was the only one that I was, was waiting on. Nelson Cruz still ceases to uh, amaze. He just consistently hits for power, for average. He has been uh, best bang for buck signing from Minnesota uh, in the last couple of seasons here. It says he's making progress, but he's still having some feelings, still having some soreness, and remains without a clear return timetable. And here's the thing. I believe they just moved Luisa Rise to third base, who hit like 330 last year. Now, I think he's hitting 330 this year. He's hitting like 260, but he's a very good player. Jorge Polanco is at shortstop hit 318 last year. They just have depth throughout their lineup. Max Kepler is so good in center field for, or in right field for them. So the, the Twins are my number two team, and I feel very confident that this team will will be among the best uh, teams in baseball at scoring runs. Their, uh, uh, their pitching has shown promise. Jose Barrios. Yes. Uh, Demaeda. And we didn't have my buddy Rich Hill there yet. He's been hurt. So, hey, just it's, it's only going to get better. And then, uh, as I figured, we would be in agreement uh, at the top. Uh, the Los Angeles Dodgers are the team to beat in baseball right now. They have the best run differential. They've only so we were talking about how good the the Indians' rotation has been, and it's been very good. They've played 22 games. The Indians have given up 62 runs. The Dodgers have played 23 games and have given up 68 runs, and it gets overshadowed because their offense is so good. But their pitching is every bit as good as the Indians. But on top of it, they get the offensive production. Whether it's Mookie Betts, Cody Bellinger, I believe, just finally reached the Mendoza line a couple days ago. And this team, like without an eyelash, didn't even need him. Max Muncy is still hitting below the Mendoza line. We were talking about him before we started. And Will Smith is hurt. But they've scored 128 runs. And then the pitching, Clayton Kershaw, Walker Bueller, uh, Dustin May, Tony Gonsolin. It, it's just depth upon depth upon depth. And uh, as we look at our, our heat index, there was four teams, as I was trying to document, because uh, we didn't know each other's rankings until we just put them out here right now. Nope. And so there's four teams where I think we had a wider differential than others. Uh, Phillies, Mets, Baltimore, and Astros uh, were our biggest ones. Uh, Astros, we talked about, uh, they had a fantastic weekend. They're showing signs. I had them lower than most. I had them at 15. You had them at 7. Uh, that one makes uh, sense there. Uh, where I was a little on the uh, lower rank than I should have uh, with them now that they're coming back. Uh, Baltimore is 14. Uh, you had them at, I think, at 14, I had them at 9. I had uh, Baltimore at 15. At but, 15. Yep, so Baltimore, and, you, you're going off of what they've done so far, and I'm still maybe a little more yeah. down on them for the future. Just more or less saying that fantastic start to the yep. year, but not going to stay. I said, if we'd have done this a month ago, they'd have probably been my number 30. So 15, I think that's something to be absolutely proud of if you're a Baltimore Orioles fan. Absolutely. This has been a uh, something positive to watch. That's what we said for teams that weren't expected to do anything. And now your entire perspective has changed that with 16 teams making it, uh, what can you do at, at a uh, uh, trading deadline? Is there anything that you can add? Is there anything that you can uh, try to do uh, with this? The Mets, uh, I think, was one of our, I think, our largest 
uh, difference there. I had him at uh, 26. You had him at 13. Yeah. You mentioned 13 is probably high at this point. Uh, 26 is probably a little low at this point too. It's just uh, such a we- it's just such a weird team. The Mets are just so strange. They should be so much better than they are, but they just aren't. So I said I, they're the team. You can put them anywhere between a dozen and 25. And my opinion in I would say sure that makes sense, and so I've had them at thirteen. They came off of a cold weekend, so I move. I could easily move them down to 22, 21 and feel fine about that pick too. And finally, the Phillies. Uh, you had them ranked, I think, at twelve. I 12th. had them at twenty, uh, and so I've been a little bit more bullish on them uh, to uh, begin the year. I just I want to see the offense come together around. Uh, and I, I should have said J T. Romuto uh, with it. Obviously Bryce Harper, but Romuto has been uh, uh, at an MVP level offensively and you count solid defense with it that's uh impressive to see I just want to see a little bit more done with it but I was probably a little more uh, harsh on them uh overall but we'll see uh, how much they make me eat my words in the coming uh, days and weeks here uh, as we uh look at wrapping up uh we're going to take a first uh we have to go on, on the positive the, the pirates positive note of the week uh, Keone Kella back from the ILs. That's what as we were going on with this week. Keone Kella came. First off, they didn't lose any of the first three days of this week because they didn't that's play. Right. That's right. No Cardinals games, so they didn't lose any of those games. And then the first game back, they got Keone Kella, who's their presumed closer off the injured list. And so I don't believe he's actually – I think he pitched a game that wasn't a save opportunity because they were getting beat. But uh, he could be somebody we talk about next week if we're talking hot stove trade stuff. He's probably one of the biggest names that we'll see along with uh, closers, as always, at the uh, trading deadline are going to be the some of the biggest things in demand and available. They're, they're luxuries on losing teams uh, and needed on teams that are trying to compete and, if not in a closer level, uh, help a team deepen their bullpen with a 7th or 8th inning shutdown reliever. Trevor Rosenthal, uh, uh, Keon Keela, uh, these are some of the names that we'll mention next week as well. Hard to find positives on a four and fourteen team with the worst record in baseball, but there's your your you didn't even put them positive. La- you also didn't put them last. That's positive. You did That's not true. mark them as the worst team. That's true. I I could not. I put them below the Red Sox even. So, so let's take a look at the game and matchup of the week uh, coming up here. Uh, this one again, when you're having a lot of division games, you're going to get a lot of these similar ones. Uh, but uh, you have Garrett Cole versus Tyler Glasnow on Wednesday. Uh, the big uh, series of the first part of the week, you have the Yankees and uh, uh, Rays uh, coming together, two teams that have gotten hot in the past week. The Yankees Ra- are two games up right now on the Rays, two and games. Rays took three of four against them last weekend, uh, so this is a, uh, a chance to see where everyone fully stands uh, right now. Uh, we have an underrated pitching matchup that's going to be fun to watch. Uh, and that's, we mentioned the Miami Marlins, uh, uh, Eliezer Hernandez versus Patrick Corbin of the Washington Nationals. That's on Friday. Uh, Eliezer Hernandez missed, like, how many bats in his last start? It's like, it's, I think he struck out nine yesterday and gave up one hit to the Nationals. Is that who they played? But it was, it was very good last night. So that'll be a fun uh, young matchup uh, versus an established star. Uh, you have uh, our our guy Nate Pearson, uh, who's uh, as you expect a rookie's is not going to perform always consistently week in and week out. But him versus Blake Snell on, on Sunday is going to be an interesting uh, uh, power pitching from right side and left side, uh, something to see. And then the Rockies versus Dodgers. That's the other series that I'm interested in this week. How good uh, really are the Rockies? And are that, they really that good? A chance for the Dodger, a chance for both teams to make a statement here. On, on how close, what is the gap between the two? How small or wide is it? Breaking news here. Breaking news at the very end of this podcast, before we call it off, so if you're still listening, congratulations. 
Tommy Pham has broken his handmade bone and is out four to six weeks. So we're talking about the Padres, hopefully turning around, moving up a little bit here. That that does not help. Uh, we've talked about Tommy Pham getting traded from your Rays this offseason. Started off really well for the Padres, got a little cold, had a nice week last week it looked like, but broken handmade bone, that's in your hands. So he is out four to six weeks, and uh, they'll need to see if they can find a way to – you don't really replace a guy that good, but fill in. Well, anything you can do, I can do better. And that mindset, you want to talk breaking news? Uh, I got another one for you to go with it. We've been asking for it, asking you shall receive. Tigers are calling up uh, highly rated pitching prospects, Casey Mice and Tarek Skubal. Not yet Matt Manning, but uh, Casey Mice and Tarek Skubal. That are, uh, as of just in the last couple minutes, uh, been reported that they are coming up to the, uh, the big league club. I have to go to my fantasy team right now. You keep talking. So i got to go ahead and <laughs> Casey Mize if he's here. So you have uh, that for uh, some uh, some breaking stuff as we uh, wrap up here. Uh, going to be a fun week uh, uh, to take a look at this. And one last note that I, I see here on Twitter that's worth ending with, most barrels this season. Those who have uh, barrel equals ideal combo of launch angle, uh, and exit velocity. Uh, one more thing to add to the Brandon Lau list at 12. Uh, and a couple of the others, my iPad just died, so I guess I can't give you that full list. Uh, Corey Seager was on that list for a long time. He yes. missed that time, but I've, he's still got barrel. I didn't even mention him. That's how good the, the Dodgers are. I did not even mention Corey Seager, but he was just, yeah, he was really high on that list for a while. I don't know if he's still there or not. Were you able to get the uh, uh, Micey on your fantasy li- on your fantasy team? I have not gotten him on there yet. I'm, <sighs> I went back. I'll, I'll do it later. Hopefully. Hopefully. We'll see. Well, with that, thanks for tuning in for another uh, week of uh, covering Major League Baseball as we uh, look at the week ahead. And we will uh, be back next week to uh, uh, give you the hot stove as we look at uh, down to two weeks before the trading deadline as it comes at the end of this month. Uh, We will have a chance to look at who might be available and uh, what teams would be the most aggressive, etc. as we look at a very unorthodox uh, trading deadline, but one that's coming nonetheless. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.